Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Parenthood Podcast. When we think about the milestones in our children's lives, starting school has to be one of the biggies. And while some, some children can't wait to start big school, it can be an intimidating time, a time of uncertainty and feeling like a little fish in a very big pond. For some, the transition from small nursery to school is seamless, but others struggle. My parenthood inbox is cluttered with emails about how to make this transition as simple as possible, what we as parents can do to make it easy for our children to adjust to this new environment. So I'm here today with my co-founder, Dr. Kiara Hunt. Hi, Kiara. Good morning. And we've also got Iona Hewitt, who is a teacher and educational consultant. Iona, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's such an important topic to discuss, especially, well, we kind of think around September, but actually what we're going to talk about today is going to show that that preparation for starting a big school starts a lot earlier than the sort of weeks before the first day of school. It, it starts a lot earlier than that, doesn't it? Definitely. And I've seen it from both being a mother and from being a teacher. And those preparations can start up to two years earlier from when they first go to nursery and are looking forward to the next step, because that's what we do in life, isn't it? We look forwards. So it's a constant topic. Yeah. And just to uh, just to contextualise, we're talking about primary school here, which is uh, the school children start when they're four. They may well have been at nursery school from two to four. Is that right? Yes. Some schools will have a nursery class. They will start and that's the three to four age age range but um, reception is four to five and that's the normal starting point for primary school and the difference between that and nursery is nursery tends to be more of a play environment whereas school is more structured or what's the main difference would you say um reception is still very play-based so if there is a nursery class or within nursery school they still follow the same curriculum the early learning goals which goes up until the end of reception and you're looking there at a lot of child-based learning and child-led play um, it then goes into more formal learning from year one, but it's still very play-based for in reception. And is it compulsory for children to start school in reception? By the age of five. Okay. So some children can start in the Christmas term in reception. Schools will vary on this depending on their intake and their numbers. But it is a great environment in which children thrive. I mean, school, yes, it can be an intimidating thing to start. And I think especially with parents that are saying goodbye and starting that next step with your beloved children is hard. But, you know, by and large, school and the educational environment is the kind of best environment for your children to, to, to learn in and, and grow up in, isn't it? Children love it. They really do. Once they've come over the first, you know, difficult steps that can be starting, I know we're about to talk about, they do love the boundaries the safety there's so much stimulation the creativity and the friendships the social side is just so important and they love their teacher generally don't they, they yes come it's a really special relationship really special what do children normally feel how have you found in your experience you've taught loads of children who's who've been starting school what, what's typically the attitude of children how do they feel Children are generally very excited at the beginning of school there is of course a lot of nervousness 
Um, especially, to be honest, though, that can come from the parents. And it's sometimes us, isn't it, that we put our own fears onto them because we're feeling so nervous about them going off to big school. And so that can sometimes, they can pick up on our little nerves. But there's always a lot of excitement and curiosity. I think especially with the first child, if it's the next child going off, then often it's wanting to keep up with a big sibling. I remember so well going in for one of those tester days with my daughter and she'd misunderstood me and thought that was the end of nursery and time for big school. And I remember the next day when I tried to drop her off at nursery, she's like, I'm not going back there. No, no, I'm going to big school now. I started yesterday and I had to break it to her that she still had another few weeks of nursery to go before she started That was big one school. of those taster days, was it, where they yeah. do, they, or they often have a morning, don't they, um, or a few hours the term before they're due to start where they can get a bit of a feel of what the school's like is it worth going to those definitely they're so important they they sometimes give a couple if you can't go to one then try and go to the other it is really important and if you can't absolutely can't get to them then go and talk to the school and they might be able to bring you your child in for an hour at a different time it just takes away the unknown it takes away that scaredness they might be able to show you where their peg is going to be where the loo is going to be just different bits of everyday life because you don't know what your child's really worrying about before and just seeing the physical environment and seeing the other happy children running around is it just allays so many fears over the summer holidays and it is intimidating because if you imagine you know you've got your sort of social circle even as a grown-up and then suddenly you have to go into a totally new environment with different friends and different people that for grown-ups would be intimidating yet you know even more so if you're four because they've obviously got a whole class load of friends that potential friends that they haven't yet met as well as teachers and that must be one of the things that sort of is quite scary for them but also exciting definitely I mean the teachers are so expecting and so ready for that and that first half a term there is a huge amount done around routines friendship turn taking making friends um, just lots and lots of things which aren't traditionally seen as academic to really help them settle in And so um, talking a bit about how we can prepare children in the year leading up to um, that that first term in September of of big school. So obviously academically, and I, I sort of use academics in the sort of broader sense of the word, but what are the expectations for children starting reception? do they are they meant to have any knowledge of reading? Can they read at that stage? What's should they be able to write? Reception teachers will take them as a blank canvas. There are no real expectations. Your reception teacher will hope that some things have been put in place by nursery or by you at home, but there is no expectation that they have to be able to do some things. Mm. And this is where children are so different and it's very easy to compare them to your friends or to previous children you've had. And they really are so different. Things like birthdays at this time makes an almighty difference. If you have a summer-born boy, for example, as I do, and that's not saying all summer-born boys do but they often are just much less ready to learn they still want to be outside running around in the mud and so you cannot compare them with each other Mm. if we're looking at it as a general rule if you can start to do things beforehand like encouraging them to recognize their name starting them writing their name they will be doing this at nursery but you can try and get them to do it at home a little bit maybe they can write a name label for you maybe they can help starting to try and pretend write shopping lists giving them opportunities to do a bit of writing can be brilliant a lot of children though aren't ready to write at this stage so it's really about developing the muscles lots of play-doh at home lots of exercising that muscle in between your first finger and your thumb play-doh salt dough 
tweezers you know those sort of big clothes pegs if you've got some clothes pegs get them pinning things on a line because it's all exercising them again making big movements giving them a wet paintbrush so they can go outside and make big wet marks on the pavement and just inspiring them to start mark making in different ways mine have all loved mazes so that's a really good way to get them going with their fine motor skills but encourage the big motor skills as well and reading to them is really important isn't it so important that bedtime story I mean if you can keep reading for them as long as possible it is just wonderful because it's in the future will be that love of that love of a good story the plot and structure but at this stage it's just the vocabulary enrichment is so important and it's a really lovely time of the day when you can sit down and curl up with a story and they take so much in don't they during that sort of bedtime reading story oh huge amount well, and then they mull over it, you know, after you've after you've left the room. And, it's... and I think as adults, you know, we read one book and then we sort of don't read it again. But they like to read the same books over and over again. And why is that? It's, I think it's often comforting. They know what's coming next. Before they're able to read, it's almost like they're reading because they know what's going to come. And I find often if I haven't read the page quickly enough, they're racing ahead with the next sentence because they've learnt it. And you're providing them there with things like sentence structure so they know how the words come together. You're modelling a really good scaffold of the way that a story can be written in the future. And things like numbers, recognising numbers and recognising letters. I remember someone told me before my... I think he was still in nursery of just walking down the street and getting him to look at the door numbers and recognise those and work out that... Yeah, the numbers of the buses. The numbers of the buses, exactly, and and working out with with, uh, door numbers that they're going up in a sequence and, you know, is it it one or two? Definitely use the environment around you the whole time. With, With sounds, with phonics, it's a lot before you get to school about listening and hearing them. So if you can play I spy with them as much as possible, and we all know that stage where you say I spy with mighty lies, something being with duh, and they go, cat! And they're so <laughs> pleased. And until they can hear that duh is for dog, mm. it's very difficult for them to be able to start learning some sounds. So mm. as much as you can do, one of the ones, uh, one of my favourite activities I talk about a bit is going on a sound hunt. And you can put on a proper hat. You get your magnifying glass out and say, right, we're going to go around the house and find as many things as we can, starting with a k. And you walk around and you model it. And you say, right, I'm going to look on the table here. There's a mug. Does that start with a k? k? Mm. And getting them to start hearing it. And they'll, you know, really got to say mug and k, k. And listening to them. And hopefully then when you come to the cucumber or the carrot, they'll say, yes. And you can gather all the things together that they found on their sound hunt. So just lots of opportunities yeah. for listening to sounds. And it's a lovely time to spend together, you know, exactly with your child. And presumably then when they go into school and they start doing these sort of very gentle exercises in terms of phonics and early recognition of numbers, if they can do it and if they're familiar with it, then that in itself gives them quite a lot of confidence. Definitely. They see themselves as a learner. And that's what's really important mm-hmm. is that they are enthusiastic, they're moving forward, and it just gives them an insight about what's to come and read some children start, will start reception being able to read just because they've they've been ready they've taken that step at nursery and some children won't be recognizing sounds and it just doesn't matter go with your child and then when they're ready just it's such an exciting journey to start on I remember actually uh, one of the two teachers at my children's school said please don't compare your children when it comes to reading they will all learn to read but they'll all learn to read at different times but we've never ever had a child that's left school not being able to read they will all read yes and actually if you're sort of feeling quite insecure about your child's academic abilities this early 
on, that's going to be picked up on by your child. So actually much better to be positive and realize that children are all different, like humans are all different, and they will all achieve their goals at different stages. Exactly. And they may thrive in a different area earlier on, and then the reading might catch up and the maths might take over. And it's just an ongoing journey of so many different strands. But when we're when we're trying to help them we want to make sure that we're doing it right and that's one of the things I remember being quite surprised by is, uh, is that the phonics is very different now from when we were learning it we learned abaca and it's not mm. is it, it it's you're supposed it's, to say the sound rather than the actual it's not so the sound because it's not pronounced softened. Dogger. yeah exactly the yeah. sounds have softened since it officially all changed a few years ago and it's now a synthetic phonics program that we teach to in schools and one of the main changes which we've all had to get used to is the fact the alphabet is said in a different way um, and it's great people come in saying oh my child knows the alphabet they can sing a b c d and the, what that is is those are the names of the letters so it's brilliant so a is the name of the letter but the sound it makes is a and then you've got obviously a b k and then some of those sounds have been hugely change the way we say them not hugely changed but it's just been altered so you have things like s now instead of a s so the letter s is a s it's an elongated letter rather than a s or t is a t rather than a t and I remember one of mine sounding it out sounding the word pit out and he went p it pitta like pitta bread because yeah. he'd been told that it was a t and we had to go back and they say no it's actually it's p it and he was, oh, pitch, like a hole. And so we then talked about it. So it's really important if you can, you know, if your school puts on phonics evenings for you or a way of sort of re-educating us on how to say them, that is, it is really important if you can say the sounds in the same way as the school does. Yeah. And there's lots of different programs that do that, aren't there, that schools yes. have that can teach you? Yes, so lots of schools use different schemes, which they, in order to teach them, and they will probably direct you maybe to, there's some, there's online videos that you can watch, um, and there's apps that you can use in order to pronounce, help you pronounce the sounds properly. And even TV programmes. I remember yeah. watching something on CBBS, which was the something about the letters. Alpha blocks. Alpha, alpha blocks. And, it's, yeah, it's just great. You know, and actually, in terms of parents watching it too, with your children, and yeah. then talking about it, and getting ideas about how you can talk to them about constructing simple words and sounds in everyday life. So, um, so in terms of preparation, that's sort of academically, pastorally, um, what can we do in terms of preparing our children for school? I think generally encouraging their independence because they are going to be away from you. Obviously, some will have been at nursery and that's amazing. Some may not have been at nursery, but either way, they are going to have to become more independent because there are less adults who are devoted to them. So if you can encourage them with things like using their knife and fork properly, being able to go to the loo, wash their hands, can they get changed for PE if they need to? Can they put their shoes on when they're going out into the playground? Can they put their coat on and do up their zip? All those little things, which you can definitely start six months beforehand, they will just make their life so much easier if they're not panicking because it's nearly playtime and they might have to change their shoes or they might have to put a coat on. And it just makes it all a bit scarier. Whereas if those things are completely ingrained in their everyday life, it makes it a huge amount easier. Yeah. And if they haven't gone to nursery, because not all children do, what, what sort of things can parents do to get their children used to being left somewhere or... 
I think if you can leave them with a family member, if you've got friends with a child the same age, maybe they can start just having half an hour, an hour with someone, maybe while you pop out to the shops or Mm. do something. So they get used, as you say, and just build up slowly the fact that you're not there in every moment of their lives, Mm. because that can be quite a shock for them otherwise. Because school is a long day. School is five days of of, of full days, really, nine till three normally. Yes. Um, So if, if they've been at nursery before, would you advise them having done a few full days at nursery I mean it's it can often be a real change some people try and do it but in general they find them reception so much more tiring Mm. there's something about that shift to reception it is just an incredibly tiring year and that first half a term I remember one of mine coming back on a Friday afternoon lying on the floor and just sobbing I said what's wrong he just said I'm just so tired and there was just no reason for it. Nothing had upset him. He was just generally completely wiped out. And it was a real lesson to try and cut down things after school, no after school clubs, and just try and keep them as calm and quiet around that first, those first few weeks when they're readjusting. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I remember someone saying to me, you know, when your child starts school, trying to take a couple of days off work because it's just suddenly a lot to organise and a lot to get ready and you want to feel like you're in control and not out of control in order to get your child feeling as positive as, as possible about it. So I guess you're right, just trying to to make that those two weeks around the beginning of school as quiet as they possibly can be for both parents as well as children. It's a big change for everybody, not just the child. It's a huge change, I find, in terms of organisation. Yeah, you get a whole load of information from the school in an email form or as a pack, don't you? There's lots to take in. Yes. The new and it seems really complicated. Day. And is, 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 you know, games on a Tuesday or Wednesday and which shoes do they need? And, you know, it, it's, it's the kind of thing where I read emails and then I haven't taken any of it in and I have to reread it. And then 10 minutes later, I've forgotten it again. And it's <laughs> Little things, I find, like having a proper timetable stuck up somewhere that everyone can see I mean I have mine on the back of the door so I the last thing I do before I read the house is read it and remember because invariably you've forgotten the recorder for a recorder club or you have forgotten the pee kit or the swimming kit or whatever it is on that day and every school will have set things coming in and that then I find flusters your child if they're the only one there without having got I mean gosh we've all done it and I've forgotten things so many times but I do find if you have a proper timetable stuck up it can help yeah 
Yeah, I did that, and that made a huge difference. Mm. I think being organised, when you start school, your day suddenly is not your own anymore. You have to follow the timetable of the school. And being organised in that lead-up to nine or whenever your child starts school, so important. You're giving yourself more time than you think, getting organised, getting that timetable up, getting breakfast, things out the night before. Putting out the school uniform the night before. Yeah. That can be, and that can be tricky because some um, some schools don't have a uniform. Yeah. So if they don't, again, having the conversation about what they are going to wear and try and make it set in stone that what we have chosen, if they don't have a school uniform, is what you had the night before because otherwise that can add a whole level of negotiations yeah. the next morning. Yeah, and lunch boxes. If you're making lunch boxes, having decided what they're going to have and packing exactly. as much as possible the night before. Presumably, in that sort of lead up to the starting term. Um, do the, the class lists get shared? Is it possible for parents to kind of get in touch with other parents and maybe organise play dates with other children so that your child can potentially make a few friends of children who will be in his class or her class? Definitely. I mean, it depends on the school. If that's, if some schools do, some schools don't. But if you get in touch with the school, you might be able to say which street you're on. If there's someone really close, are you able to link up with them? You might know through the nursery because quite often, if they are at nursery, they go on together and... But I would definitely recommend, even if it doesn't need to be lots of play dates, it can literally be a play in the park. But again, it's a familiar face on that first day that you can pick out of the crowd, say, oh, look, there's, you know, whoever it is. Um, And then you mentioned earlier these settling in mornings that most schools now organise in the sort of weeks before school starts. um, And they're really worth making a real effort to do aren't they in terms of your child's confidence they're definitely worth it because it just takes the fear away from it because they are it is an unknown it is a completely new experience for them and in the same way I would walk the school run with them a couple of times in the summer holidays because also just so you know how long it takes you're not rushing in case you're late and it just makes it part they know what they're doing already so if you can walk the school run with them on the way to their settling day it almost gives you a pre-taste of any problems that there could be And then once they're actually there, it takes away the worry of where their peg might be, where the loo is, and where the actual physical layout of the classroom is, what it looks like. And so emotionally, um, what can we what can we do to prepare our children? Because it is quite an emotional time, I think, for parents as well as children. Probably more so for parents. (laughs) Definitely, I think a lot there is about the way we talk about it it's very easy to be not negative about it but say oh you know I'm I feel like I'm going to miss you when you go to school or and it's meant to be a real positive that we're saying that but we're just putting our emotions onto them so if you can talk about it just an incredible it this is just so exciting I wish I was you going back those first couple of weeks are just fantastic I can't wait to see what your classroom looks like oh, I've heard there's some brilliant children going into your class. You're just the luckiest person. And if you can, ham it up a bit and just be really positive and not point out any of the negatives. Of course, if they talk to them about it, don't dismiss their worries and their emotions and talk them through. But just putting a gently positive spin on everything so you're setting them up with as much cheerfulness and positivity as beforehand. I find there's so many good books out there now on starting school. So if you can have, I don't know, there's Topsy and Tim ones and Peppa Pig. I mean, if they have a particular sort of character they like, there will be a starting school one with it. And there's other general good ones. And that can often help if you read two or three different ones of those. And then it's quite easy to talk about any fears through about a character rather than being your fears. You say, oh, do you think, do you think Topsy's worrying about anything about starting school? And then you'll quite often find your child's will come out, but they haven't had to to look at the fear as their own they can put it onto a character and then you can have quite a safe discussion about the worry 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and then sort of counting down in terms of the summer holidays before. So they've, they've sort of said goodbye to nursery if they're at nursery. And then you've got quite a long summer holiday before school starts. What can you do to ensure that all those skills they've learned in that last term of nursery and that independence and all, all of those skills that they've fostered aren't lost in a sort of long six-week holiday before they start school? I think really those pastoral things we talked about, so the clothes, get, you know, getting them confident, changing, the knife and fork, the shoes, those are all really important to make sure are really cemented over the summer holidays. I would do things like trying on their school uniform as well mm-hmm. so that they feel happy and comfortable in that so nothing itches, you know, just beforehand. I'd probably, you know, in those last few weeks, if they have gone to nursery, I'd go and talk to their nursery teachers so that you can find out where they are and find out what they recommend exactly. Because if your child is happy and beginning to read, then maybe it might be appropriate for them to start looking at a few books. If they want to practice some sounds, the nursery can point out to you a few sounds that you could be practicing. Um, that awareness that we talked about about looking around you in the environment, lots of I spy, lots of sound hunts maybe trying to stretch their concentration a tiny bit, sitting down and playing a game for 10, 15 minutes, seeing if you can get them to focus for a little bit longer, but then not worrying if they're not at all either. Things like playing games, snakes and ladders, which are brilliant for number recognition. Any game with a dice is also fantastic. If you can get them turn-taking, waiting, being polite, if you look at things like the early learning goals, there's a huge amount around waiting respectfully. Is it your turn? How do we play a game? And those social skills. So it's actually not even the academics you're really looking at before, the traditional academics. You're really thinking about the social side and making that as easy as possible as they fit in. Um yeah, and, and then the morning that, that school starts, um, how, how that, that's always such a big morning and very often no. it's the parents that haven't slept the night before. Presumably, too, the, the children don't sleep that well, but it's really important that they're having a good night's sleep, isn't it? Oh, and if you can start a week before, because it's so easy in the summer holidays, isn't it? Everyone's out playing till later and bedtime gets later and it's lovely, but in order to change a sleep pattern you can't just do it the night before so if a couple of weeks or 10 days before you can start trying to get them in bed earlier it will make a huge difference because then they will get used to the fact they actually really if they can be in bed by seven I mean that's always the pipe dream isn't it but if we can get them in bed that little bit earlier then they'll be used to it by the night before school and probably not talking it up too much the night before trying to keep your bedtime routine as smooth and normal as possible talking about anything that's worrying and then sticking them to bed and then, you know, if they don't sleep, it's not the end of the world, but just keeping it as calm as, you know, you can and just trying to hide the fears that you've got and just show a gentle excitement. That this is a natural and wonderful step. And then when they wake up, trying to get them to eat a really healthy and nutritious, if possible, non-sugary breakfast, because then that will set them up really well for the day, especially if they'll be having school, you know, school lunches and they may be a bit uncertain about that type of food. So if you can start them off with a really full tummy, that helps. Yeah, because actually, you know, if you're if you're thinking about feeding them breakfast before they go in, and then they probably have a snack mid morning, don't they? Most there's, children, there's fruit. They always tend to have fruit in reception available to them throughout the day. Yeah. So, but you know, then they get lunch at twelve. So it's still a quite a long time where they're they're not eating. So, I know with my children, breakfast tends to take an hour because it's a time when I just really want them to eat lots, and it's nice to have that time. So I always, I mean, I get up at half past six just so that we have a quite a nice chilled. 
relaxed morning before they go to school. I think time is so important. Giving yourself more time than you think you need by at least half an hour makes for so much more of a relaxed experience of the morning for everyone, for you, but also for, for the children. Um, I, I'm, I remember doing that consciously and it really changed the dynamic around, around breakfast time. Well, because the problem is as soon as you're rushing... I find, you know, your temper phrase a little bit. And, you, and what's worse is you know it's your fault because mm. you haven't left enough time mm. and you end up getting snappy and it just becomes, you know, it's difficult. It's that thing that if possible, can you get to the school 10 minutes early so they can have a nice play in the playground with their friends and they've settled in and they're in the right frame of mind to then come cl- calmly into the classroom. Um most classrooms most reception classrooms will have a bit of a routine they'll be finding their name and putting it somewhere or they'll be writing their name up on a board and then then it's just a really nice seamless link into doing that and then straight into an activity so it works really well if you can have that calm uh integration to the start of the classroom and I know my children done it so many times but I've done something quite annoying you know in two minutes before arriving at school but having to swallow it and think if it's that important I'll bring it up later but not having an argument about something just before you arrive at school arrive at school Mm. because if you drop off an emotional child it's just not a good start for the day for them to then resettle and refocus. And when you with your sort of teacher hat on when you were there that teacher in the classroom and you saw all the children arriving they normally have what a window of 20 minutes to arrive do they how, how does it work so most um schools open the playground quarter of an hour or so i mean that ranges but half an hour bef- um, before class starts so they can come in i mean obviously your child is still very much your responsibility and is un- with you but they quite often run around a bit with their friends and then whether it's time some schools line up and then come in quite a lot of reception classes though you can just sort of wander straight on in and then different reception classes do it in different ways sometimes parents are encouraged to stay for 10 minutes and then off you go sometimes it's just once or twice a week so it's really worth finding out what the routine is because if it's a special morning where you're able to stay then it's great if you can obviously with work that can be really difficult um, but if you know that on a Friday morning there's a bit of extra time to stay and therefore you can maneuver hours around so that you can just stay for those 10 minutes that can be really helpful. And do you, did you notice that the children who had had a bit more time in the playground in the morning were, were more relaxed in the classroom or less anxious whereas the ones coming in late and rushing I mean does that really affect them once they get into the classroom? I'd say it has an effect it's not a huge issue but it can have an effect and it doesn't need to be very long it can literally be two minutes Mm. it's just the act of not rushing Mm. which is the bit because if you're racing down the ramp you know automatic your heart's going faster you're you're breathless and you're just coming in a bit later whereas if it can just be a smooth way in and my children quite like being the first one in to do something and so they can sometimes be like oh I'm the first one in I get to choose which activity I'm doing and they can point something out to you and they get a bit more attention from the teacher as they come in Mm. and I remember it took me about five years to work this out but um, my children often went to like birthday parties and hated it and I realized that if I was the first person there and if we were there five minutes early they significantly enjoyed and enjoyed it significantly more than if we sort of rocked up towards the end and then there was this crazy kind of adrenaline fest going on so and I'm sure the same applies with school definitely uh, that's saying goodbye <laughs> on the first day I mean you just have to take a look at Instagram or at the beginning of September and there's sort of more tears from parents than than there often are with with children what's the best way to negotiate that saying goodbye especially if you know you have a child that maybe isn't so good at saying goodbye or doesn't find doesn't find it so easy to say goodbye 
I mean, you're going to have to pre-warn them if they haven't been to nursery that you are going to leave them. You know, don't leave that as a shock for the first day that you're not actually going to be there. So they, and obviously not just the day before. So in the weeks before, if they haven't been left before, you're going to need to warn them that it's they are leaving. A lot of schools do a more staggered start so for the first week it's sometimes just a lunch or even just before lunch so it's a shorter amount of time and it builds up which works really well when it comes to the actual act of saying goodbye I think it's just being really positive I'm so proud of you this is such an exciting day you are going to have a wonderful time and that's that enforcement that you will have a wonderful time a big hug and a smile check that they're doing you know check that they're buying activity check they're doing something nice a big hug and a smile and off you go if they then attach themselves like a koala to you, it obviously becomes a lot harder. And at that moment, you, you know, obviously give them another hug, say you're going to be brilliant. And then if it carries on being a problem, then obviously enlist an adult. And you will have so many adults in reception those first few weeks. There will be lots. So if there was someone, I'm afraid, there to prize them off you. In my experience, there's obviously exceptions. They will stop crying two minutes. I mean, it's never more than two minutes. After, they, after you've after gone and you've they know gone, you've gone. And they know you've gone. I mean, the biggest plea from every reception teacher is please do not linger, you know, and it's awful. But if you can take yourself out of their line of sight so that you are gone, they will quickly, quickly become distracted by something else. But it is heart wrenching for the parent. But, you know, the parent leaves thinking that the the child is going to spend the whole morning sobbing as they were when they left. And that just doesn't happen. They, they, They really do get over it quite quickly and start enjoying the day it's almost offensively quickly I find when it's my children who sometimes I've gone back and peeped through the window which I know I shouldn't do with my teacher hat on and they are so happy 30 seconds later having sort of sobbed on your leg so it's unbelievably quick and presumably if your child is is really traumatized by the fact you're not there the teachers will get in touch you know they've got your number if your child really is is very 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 distressed they're not going to think well we're not going to let her know no of course and they'll talk about it and if this goes on for for longer then the whole point is the teacher obviously doesn't want you know a, a distressed child then that child is not going to learn and is not going to have a wonderful time so they would very much work with you in order to come up with solutions and is there anything you can do as a parent kind of going forward to sort of enrich the experience of school for them I mean what I suppose spring to mind is is I've found it really um, beneficial getting involved in the school and sort of volunteering a bit of time to help set up bake sales and Christmas fairs and that kind of thing and getting to know the school a little bit um but I think you know your children often see you involved in the school and then it's like a sort of confirmation that it is something worth investing in definitely I mean if your school I mean every school has a PTA if you can contribute time to it as you say I mean sorry a, a parent teacher association so whichever they all have different acronyms um but if they can if you can help with that it's fantastic they always need volunteers for trips so if you can go on trips sometimes that's incredibly helpful and the children love it and the children adore it if you're there I mean just fantastic I also think if you can just always speak positively even if you have a slight issue over something that the school has done if you can never criticize the school or the teacher to your child because the moment they see you losing faith with a school they will pick up on it so if there is any sort of issue there if you have got a concern obviously the first thing you do is go and ask if you can have a meeting with the teacher but never talk in a negative way about the school to your child always be positive about it Mm. I think that's really good advice and what about making new friends presumably that's also really important just trying to find out from them which children they're enjoying 
hanging out with. And from the teachers as well. Often the teachers will say, oh, so-and-so has been playing really nicely with this exactly. girl. And they'll, you can spot two characters that get on if they've got similar interests, which won't necessarily be the child always. Your, if your child's coming home and saying, oh, I really like someone, it might just be that that child's particularly loud or funny at that moment. Whereas a teacher might be able to say, well, actually, when they're playing, this person's a person they play really nicely with, as you've said. Yeah. And actually, then you can foster that through play dates or arranging to meet in a park or at a playground at a certain time. And often, as you completely said, those out-of-school experiences are really important for them and making friends I guess with other parents because I remember thinking I've got plenty of friends I don't need new friends but actually I've I've got to know a really nice group of of parents through my children's school just different people that you might not have come across socially anyway and and it's actually a really lovely opportunity to broaden your social circle definitely and as you go forward you will be having similar concerns to them because your friends from outside won't necessarily have children exactly the same age but this way as you go through as it's whether it's learn to read or the dreaded times tables later on you're going through it at similar time and you can have that shared community and share those tips and hints now going forward sort of within the sort of first few weeks um if your children or your child is thriving, that's all very easy and it's very easy to be positive about the school and feel like you're being an amazing parent. You've kind of negotiated this whole process just perfectly. Um, but what about parents who've got children that are just finding that transition a little bit more difficult, that are finding the whole process a bit more intimidating than they'd or you'd anticipated? What's, how can you deal with that? I think the most important thing here is working with the school is building up a really good relationship with the teacher. As teachers, we love talking to parents about it and working together because that is the way that you're able to get the most for your child um, on their sort of educational journey. But I think what's particularly important there is it can be really difficult as a teacher you know you've got a parent who's just at the school gates going oh can I just have a minute to feel and it's so hard because invariably you're racing off to a curriculum meeting or a staff meeting or there's something that you're meant to be doing so if you can if you've got a concern just catch them put a note in their book bag or if you've got their email address or however you can ring the school office and just say I've just got a concern you know can I see the teacher in the next couple of days either before school or after school I mean obviously you need to be a bit flexible because a teacher will always want to do it and don't be put off from talking to your teacher if they can't meet you after school because it's just because they're going to a meeting but they will definitely if if you've got a concern they will want to hear it so just get you know grab them and schedule a meeting because there is obviously a sort of settling in period where children are likely to be a bit more tearful and a bit less um, adjusted. What's normal and not normal in that sort of whole process? I know I'm kind of oh, I asking just, you quite a difficult question no, here. I, I, the normal such a difficult word, isn't it? Because sometimes they can settle in really easily and then it comes up a month later you know, almost the shininess and the excitement and the adrenaline has worn off. And actually, it's that realisation they're about to have 14 years probably of going to school ahead of them. And then it can be a bit worrying then. So different children almost have those different anxieties at different times. So I think there's no such thing as normal. I mean... If after a month you have still got a child who is properly upset and clinging every morning, I would, you know, by then I'm sure you'll be starting talking to the teacher. And teachers come up with lots of different ways. It could be a sticker chart, a reward chart. It could be they need a specific job. And actually you probably come, a month seems like quite a long time. You you probably come to this earlier, but there might be a job. They might need to take the register in the morning. They might, you know, I had a child who always wanted to come sit beside me and we took the register as children came in. And therefore, as she... You know, they, they took away the fear because she came straight in. She knew what she was doing. It wasn't this huge classroom, which she then had to choose something, select something to do. It was the fact that she knew exactly what she was doing. So it could be something as simple as 
knowing where you're going but talk to the school because or handing over to another adult almost so sometimes sometimes they need to go up a a flight of stairs on their own when you say goodbye to them and that's the that's the scary part once they're in the classroom they're okay and the school might say okay fine we'll we'll get to the teacher to meet you or someone to meet you at the door and take the child up for a a couple of weeks while they settle in that sort of thing definitely make all the difference I mean every type of issue like that has been dealt with before and that's the nice thing you know and it's so difficult your child is not the first one to be feeling anxious about it Mm -hmm. and the school have got so many ways they can deal with it but the thing to do is talk and also just check you know at, at home try not to make it too much of a big deal at home the drop-off mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. I mean obviously they're bringing it up a lot talk about it but just say oh you're doing brilliantly it's so exciting I hear you're being a superstar at school I love how positive you are when I pick you up it's just brilliant yeah um and and I guess to expect it to take time you know it's not there's no quick fix to any of this it's not like you suddenly think of something and then they skip into school happily ever after these things that might well be the the fix sometimes will take another month for them to work definitely I'm afraid it's you know it's a marathon not a sprint children are all different and you'll find your first one might be super clingy and and then your next one is runs in without you know without a look back (laughs) that's quite common isn't it when the younger sibling so has seen the older one go to school for a few years before so it's often easier <laughs> definitely and you know going forward in terms of of schooling um i think one of the most important parts of education is obviously learning but it's also developing relationships and being exposed to different personalities and um you know different how different people react in different situations and on the plus side it teaches you sort of resilience and it teaches you how to deal with different personalities not just the people that are that find kind of communicating very easily but you know and that there is an inevitable about amount of sort of meanness in school and when does when does that then turn into bullying and if you're concerned about your child how do you address that or what point should you address that with a child with a teacher I think the first really important thing is to listen to your children and really listen to what they're saying because it's very easy for us with our adult hat on to put emotions into their heads and sometimes they just need to be able to expressing it and it might just be that they're offloading to you at the end of the day and someone said something that's not very nice but it's not actually such a big deal it's just a one-off when it comes to bullying the way I've always tended and the school I've worked with has always tended to look at it is it needs to be something that's repeated unless it is if it's a one-off but very you know nasty if there's something that happened that's very physical or there's a there's a very nasty edge to something or something you know is not right go and talk to the teacher straight away just go straight in and talk to the teacher if it's little niggles and something you just just makes you just feel uncomfortable you don't feel it's really awful and it's happening repeatedly so we're talking sort of you know more than three plus times then that's developing into a pattern and potential bullying and then I would go and talk to a teacher um also just talk to your child about how are they reacting to it are they you know trying to encourage them not to escalate it and to see if you can sort it out um it's it feels very difficult because as you say you don't want you don't want your children to be exposed to anything they have to learn how to problem solve themselves and that is part of school isn't it working out this the right responses in those social situations when something's been said that you don't really like if it is repeated though then definitely go straight into the school the thing not to do is talk to the parents of the child even if they are friends of yours it's not worth it because straight away you're taking it out of the teacher's control this is happening in a school environment and there you need to go through the teacher yeah I mean we um 
we talked about we did a, a guilt podcast recently and we talked about the idea that you know so you feel guilty if your child is exposed to anything less than sort of perfect and happy and kindness and you you just you take it tremendously to your heart almost it's as if someone being mean to the child hurts the mother more than the child because you love them so much and you want to experience them to experience as little kind of conflict in their life as possible and yet there's an idea that this is really important thing to experience because life as, as we all know contains some mean people we will always be exposed to people that say hurtful nasty things that are just wrong and if your child has never been exposed to that then they never learn how to deal with it so it sounds a bit cruel but on the one hand actually having that experience of imperfect behavior is a really important learning curve for your child and children can be mean we all know that Uh, and your own child who you think is perfect and would never be mean has probably been mean to someone at some point and often school is the first time they are not under the direct supervision of their nursery teacher which might be one to five children is it in nursery where suddenly they could be one to 30 in their in their primary school environment so children are a bit more left to their own devices so there might be a group of five children all kind of having a conversation and a mean comment may be may be said but that is part of development isn't it oh definitely I mean I think you're completely right and you we all hope that our children are perfectly behaved in all these ways but they've got to learn their boundaries too so the odd mean thing will slip out from our children's mouths and it's Mm -hmm. it's them also then learning that as they've said that they've then probably felt horrible about themselves afterwards Mm -hmm. and that actually that friend then walked away and didn't want to play with them and thank goodness that's happening in a reception or early primary school environment as opposed to as a teenager where it can then escalate hugely this is it's such a learning time in terms of their social relationships and their interactions and we can't we can't get too involved however if something is making you feel uncomfortable it's just so important that you go and talk to the teacher a lot of schools have behavior mentors um, a lot of schools have nurturing groups they call them different things but just things where they're encouraged where they sit and we just practice saying nice things to each other how does this make you feel every school will deal with a personal social health and emotional it's there's sort of the I think is the official name for it but you you're teaching them how to deal with those emotions and you practice how to say something nice how does this make you feel how does it feel when someone says something less nice in a very controlled environment and so that's all part of it as well and what language you know if your child comes to you and says oh um ella was really mean and said this to me today i mean what language do you use you can't really turn around as a parent going yeah well ella's a bitch you can't say that (laughs) what how can you how do you deal with it uh, as a parent i think trying to separate the what they've done from the person you say that oh that's a real shame how are you feeling right now and they'll say oh I feel sad or I feel cross or however it is you say well I know that Ella is a kind little girl even if she's not particularly you think but you know you say I know that Ella is a kind person and she said something which was silly hasn't she and would you ever say something like that they say hopefully say no you say right if this happens again, let me know. But we all say things sometimes that, you know, I say things which I don't think are very nice. And I know you've said something sometimes what you think is very nice. You know, just try and be kind to Ella and then hopefully she won't do it today. But just just let me know if it happens again. Yeah. So very much keeping an open space, a time that you want to talk about it. If it makes you feel better, I forget everything. and I have to make lists of everything. Jot down exactly what they've said because if in time you do want to go and talk to the teacher and you feel, then you can just say, I mean, you say, I know it looks a bit silly, but I did just jot down that actually 
a couple of times over the past couple of weeks this has happened and this is what this, this little girl has said to them and this is the language that was used because also you won't remember the exact language and you end up then putting a very adult sort of lean on it so if you can just note down what they say if you feel it's becoming a pattern and then just go and talk to the teacher Iona, this is so useful. Thank you so much for, for coming to talk to us. It, I kind of wish I'd listened to this, what, like four years ago yeah. now. <laughs> I hope we've answered all your questions. If you want to hear a bit more about um, Iona's support network, you can follow her on Instagram. She's at Educate with Iona. Um, she does also workshops for parents and her Instagram feed is packed with little fun games that will help your child develop the skills they need for school. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for downloading and another episode of The Parenthood. Please continue to get in touch with us if there's anything specific that you'd like to talk about. You can get hold of us on Instagram. We're at theparent.hood um, or you can email us at info at And if you subscribe, rate and view The Parenthood wherever you get your podcasts, it makes it easier for people to find us. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and from my owner, Kiara and me, goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.